of a 21-day fast. And, uh, you know, if you joined us or didn't join us in that, that's cool. Because the way that I looked at fat, I, I wasn't a faster until a few years ago. And still, it was like, this is suffering. <laughs> you know, all the preachers I grew up under said that it, if you suffer, you're not living for Jesus. But you know what I found out? The suffering drives you deeper into Jesus. When our old flesh is wanting to do what it wants to do and eat what it wants to eat, Dr. Pepper, <laughs> things like that. But what the Lord showed me through this, this time coming out, is that His impact is not during the fast so much as it is when we come out of the fast. Because it's what happened, what shifted on the inside of us during the fast that begins to release once you come out of that. So it's not fasting and then coming back to your old life. What you were doing on December 31st, now you, January 21st, you start doing that again. It's not about that. It's about a shift that takes place. And what the Lord talked to me about, um, I think it was yesterday morning. I mean, we broke the fast on Friday night, and yesterday morning, God said that now is when change happens. What you got during the fast, now is the time you leave a footprint or you leave your fingerprints on what takes you into the rest of our time on this earth. Amen? So if you fasted with us, get ready to leave footprints. Does that make sense? If you didn't fast with us, we fasted with or for you in that, so you leave a footprint of what God's telling you. That's good stuff. So one of the things as we're stepping into this new year, as we're starting to make footprints, Lynette leaned over to me right before service and she said, I feel like we need to read Psalm 91 over. And if you're dealing with um, pain or sickness or um, brokenness on the inside of your body, your body's dealing with that, your brain's dealing with that, your relationships are dealing with that. I want to read this, Psalm 91. If you've never read Psalm 91, it is a healing place. Psalm 91 is one of the best. I, I think that if I were a football player and put those black things under my eyes, that instead of John 3.16, like what Tim Tebow wrote, I would do Psalm 91. So... Will you indulge me in this? All right. Psalm 91. It says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. Buckler. What is a buckler? You know how when you make a cake or a pie and you put it on a pie stand or a cake stand, and you take the lid that's clear and you put it over that so little kids won't get their fingers in it and flies won't land on it and wash up? 
That's what a buckler is. It's a, it's a force field around you that God sets. Amen? All right, I'll go on. He says, You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague, nor shall any plague, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. And I love this. Verses 14 through 16 says, Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. When you read verses 14 through 16, put your name in there. So I'm going to put my name in there, and this is going to show you how it works. Because Darren has set his love upon Jesus, therefore I, Jesus, will deliver Darren. I will set Darren on high because he, Darren, has known my name. Darren shall call upon me, and I will answer Darren. I will be with Darren in trouble, and I will deliver Darren and honor Darren. With long life, I will satisfy Darren and show Darren my salvation. Man. You go to putting your name in those kinds of things, God can't help but do what his word says. Amen? So if there's brokenness, if there's sickness, if there's pain, if there's things going on in your life right now, Lynette's going to pray for you. I just, I just threw that in there. I feel like I've been jabbering long enough. You, you need to jabber. So Lynette's going to, going to pray over us as we move into this. Oh, okay. She, you know, she does that to me all the time. She says, I think we should pray. Go ahead. Oh, Father, thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we receive your words. And right now, in the name of Jesus, we declare that your word that has been written over us and prophesied over us is larger than any circumstance and any other word that is spoken in our lives and over our households, over our workplaces, and over our schools. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we right now receive a supernatural blood transfusion of Psalm 91 into our bodies, that our bodies are not susceptible to the world things, but that our bodies are supernatural in receiving the life force that heaven brings. So right now, the life is in the blood. So we receive your word into the very heart of who we are, into our blood, into the molecules of our blood. And we speak healing, restoration, life, not just any life, 
But when Jesus said that he came to give us life and life more abundant, that is the blood transfusion that we receive right now. The abundant life blood in Jesus name, in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Yes. Okay. For now. I just want to be polite because sometimes she gets like she wants to tell everything that she knows. And it's a good thing. All right. I'm going to get in trouble, so we better transition this really quick. So uh, if you see anybody around you that you haven't spoken to today, speak to them. Tell somebody hi. Give them a high five. Tell them they look good today. Looking good. You're looking good. <laughs> to closing and moving into activation and prayer around 10 to 15 if we can aim for it. There you go. Right now, good. How are you all doing? You all got really quiet really quick. Um... Man, it's good to see you guys today, and we're, our format is going to be just a little bit different today. Um, I'm not walking around, and it's probably probably a good thing that uh, I'm unleashed. Unleashed. So um, we want to we want to <clears throat> uh, thank you for allowing us to minister to you, uh, starting at the beginning of the month about this word called ecclesia. So we've been doing a series called Ecclesia, and um, today we're going to wrap it up and, and um, bring it to a close, so to speak. But really, you know, when, when we find out this word Ecclesia, and it means, it's the Greek word for the word church in English. And so when, when we um, talk about the Ecclesia, we're, we're talking about the church, not the church building, but the people who make up the church. It's you and I who are the church. And so we're the ecclesia. This church, this building is just a building until you come here. Until we gather together. Mm. It's it's just a it's just a it's just, just an old honky tonk. <laughs> and and in that yeah, did you guys know that? Is it like I don't know if everybody knew that, but this used to be a bar. This was the wood that's on the there's floor. There's a lot of people know exactly. I know there's funny. a lot of people. <laughs> cause it's funny. You, cause we hear stories about, I used to come here and never mind. I just used to come here. <laughs> and, um, really, really cool story. And, and I don't want, I don't mean to take this up. We prayed over rabbit trails coming to church today. <laughs> we did. But, but really, um, there was a lady that came after we moved in. She came on her motorcycle. She, she rode her, her Harley in and not inside here. But she came to church that morning, and she said that her dad built this building. Mm-hmm. And when they built this building, they wrote scriptures 
and the foundation footers around the she shield. She did. Yeah, she did as a little girl. Uh-huh. And she said, it is amazing that this is now a church because it was a bar for so many years. Yeah. And you know what I found out was that a bar is just a counterfeit church. Um, because, you know, the bartender is like the pastor. He hears all your troubles and serves you up the spirits, you know? And, uh, and so that's, uh, we just kind of made the shift into uh, what we call church. So, you know, really, we, we thank you guys for, for coming to the bar and allowing your bartenders to remember to tip the bartender. You know, yeah. so, no, but it's uh, it, this is just an old honky-tonk. But it's not church until you get here because you yeah. are the church. You are the church. Amen? Amen. And so that's what we've been talking about over the last few weeks, you know. And, and um, the, basically the word ekklesia is a compound word uh, from the Greek word ek, which means to come out of. And the um, klesia, <laughs> lesia is a word that means to be called out by name. So God knows our name. And every time you gather here, you may think, well, it's Sunday, I'm going to church. But it's not just Sunday you're coming to church. It's Jesus is calling you together with other called outs. And so that's what we're doing. That's who we are. We're, we're called out people. And when we answer that call out, we become a church gathering. So thank you for, for answering the call this morning. I'm glad so many people did, and, and we thank our Facebook Live audience as well who felt called out in their pajamas so that they could stay <laughs> there and drink their coffee or wherever you're watching from. We appreciate you guys as well. So, yeah, yeah. You got anything? Amen. And then that means we move forward. Um, uh, you know, amen means so be it. So, so be it. So be it. So what is that? So saith the shepherd, so saith the flock. Yep. Yep. Dude, that came from an old movie that back. you don't want to know Whoa. what that movie is. <laughs> Anyways. So today our format is a lot like table talk. And for those that don't know, every Wednesday night we do something on Facebook Live, our church page called Table Talk, where we just sit and visit. Yes, we have family. And what we do is we just talk about... Uh, current topics. We talk about things. We talk about the Sunday message sometime and just delve a little deeper into it. But we just invite you into our home uh, via social, whatever, online. And uh, we visit and talk and we enjoy the feedback. You know, people comment and we get to jump off of their comments. So today is a lot like table talk. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, this last week when we did table talk, Roy Cole was the first one on. I know. And look at him. He's up here almost. I know, way. right. He's moving. Have you noticed they're moving yeah. forward? Yeah. Shh. <laughs> Roy says, not now. Not now. <laughs> so, so today we want to we wanna jump off into something that really has a lot to do with who we are here and how you guys connect as a family here, as the Ecclesia. And... Um, uh, so I want to jump off into this today because 22 years, almost 22 years ago, in May it'll be 22 years that we started this church, and um, it's it's quite a story. Mm-hmm. But when we started this church, you know, you you try to get a um, a purpose for why you're starting a church. Uh, I mean, at least that's what I look at. I just don't go start a church and and hope that it survives. <laughs> 
we got to recommend that. You know, you you got to have a vision. You've got to see what God's purpose for this church is. And so, as we searched that out twenty almost twenty two years ago, the scripture that God gave us was uh, out of Ephesians chapter four. So, if you want to go to Ephesians chapter four, you can. We're going to put it up on the screen. And I want to read a few uh, verses out of this. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, this was kind of our mantra from the very beginning. And uh, verse 11 says, And he, talking about Jesus himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The word edifying means building up. And he says, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body and the edifying of itself in love. That's, that's good. I know it's a mouthful, but it, it is good. <laughs> that, is, that is where what we saw in the very beginning because these gifts that God gave, that Jesus gave the church, the gifts that were on the inside of him, and when he ascended into heaven, he left these gifts here on earth to connect with you, to connect with me. And it's the uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But what was the reason? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the, or building up of the body of Christ. Yeah. And that's, that's what it's all about. That's what church is all about. It's about us coming together in unity. coming to, and, and unity, y'all, don't mean that you've got to agree with everything that other person says. Right. Because I can guarantee you put two people in a room and there's going to be a fight at some point. <laughs> because you don't agree the same. It's not about agreeing. It's about walking in the purpose of what God has called us to, that we all walk in the same um, peace of who God is. Right, right. And that's Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And, and so uh, as we grew as a church, as we, um, you know, begin to uh, build as a body and things like that, um, God really ministered to me to get with people who knew how to uh, birth vision in your life. I wasn't a big vision guy. I, I was like, you know. You were kind of anti-vision. I, I was. I, I kind of criticized some vision people, you know, <laughs> at times, you know, pastors especially. Oh, I've got this vision of what the church is supposed to be. And I'm like. Because <laughs> he would say, what the heck? Why do people ask me about my 10-year vision? I don't even know what I'm doing tomorrow. Why do people ask me that? That's right. <laughs> that was not good. Anyways. <clears throat> There's still a little bit of that on the inside of me, but I, I've learned how to... You're, it's because you are a nonconformist. Whatever, if you don't know this about him, whatever is a traditional, Darren's going to do it the other way. That's just, that's just the way he is. I don't know if God calls that rebellion or, or what, I but I can We're going to call it apostolic. Okay, I'll be, <laughs> I'll be apostolic. <clears throat> so as we begin to develop a vision for the church, um, you know, everybody said, well, it's got to be 
one line and it's got to be sticky. It's got to be something people can carry with them. And, and so we came with, um, the Lord showed me some things, how to narrow some things down. And, and it's our vision or statement or whatever became this. It became love God, love people, serve people, serve God. So if you love God and you love people, you will begin to serve people that proves our love for God. Uh, You know, in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, there was a lawyer that came to Jesus and said to him, um, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Y'all heard that, right? And then love your neighbor as yourself. The second one is as important as the first one. Right. So love God and love people. Then in 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 and 21, which are the last two verses of that, um, of that uh, chapter 1 in 1 John, it, it, the writer, John, says that you can say you love God. If you, if you say you love God and you hate your neighbor then you don't really love God. Mm -hmm. The proving of your love for God is to love your neighbor and serve them to prove your love for God. God, you know, God says, or the Bible says that if you say you love him and you don't love your neighbor or your brother, then you really don't love me. Right. He says, basically, he says, you're a liar. Yeah. I don't want to be a liar. I don't, I've known liars. I want to beat liars up. Not that I can, but I just want to. Um, I'll dream, dream about it. But, but the fact of the, the matter is, is that if you don't love other people, God says you really don't love me. And that's, that, that became kind of our mantra or our vision statement is love God, love people, serve people, serve God. Yeah. Amen. And, and so um, I was doing a podcast la- or in 2019, uh, and it wasn't a Christian podcast. It was a, you know, it wasn't Christian-based. It was just a, a uh, everyday type of deal and with a couple of guys that are, that are MMA fighters and, and um, former police officer and stuff like that. And they were asking me about our church and things like that, and they were asking me, well, the one guy asked me the question. He says, what do, you, what do you as a Christian do and a pastor do when somebody is an a-hole to you? And he didn't say a-hole. He said the whole thing. And, he, and then he just, you know, with some expletives, just asked me what I do. And I said, look, you've you got to serve people. Regardless of what they think about you, you serve people. And when, when you serve people, you step into God's territory. When you serve people, you say, and it's such a, such a cool principle because even if you're not a Christian and you serve people with honor, right, right. you step into God. You better look out. God's getting ready to get you <laughs> Be, and not get you to beat you up. He's getting ready to get you into the kingdom of God because you're now walking in his principle mm-hmm. and it will, it will put you, it'll catapult you into God's territory. Right, right. Amen. So... Um, years ago when I first became a Christian, we, we, uh, Lynette and I were talking about this, um, my story of becoming a Christian. Uh, I grew up in church, 
got saved when I was a little kid, but at 17 years old, because of what um, I saw going on in the church that we were attending, that I was like, those people are jacked up, and, and I don't even want to be a part of the church. So I stepped away at 17 years old, kind of did my own thing, and, and when I was about 21, 22, um, I was working at a job, and this lady that worked across, that was in the one big office, and she worked across from us. I began to team rope a little bit with her husband, and she worked at the desk next to mine. And she, one day, she said, you know, um, our, our church is going to have a cowboy church service. And I would really like to invite you to come and come to our cowboy church service. It's a regular church. They just had a weekend out of the year that they did this whole cowboy church thing. And so um, her husband, who I was roping with a little bit, he said, you know, I, I would really like for you to, to come. And I respected them, and I honored them, and I said, okay, I'll be there. That, did you want to go to church, or did you say yes oh, because you respected I, these I, I knew all about church anyways, mm. but I honored them <laughs> by saying, yes, I'll, I'll come, you know, because they, they – they were bold and they were friends and I just, I honored them. And, and so I showed up at that church that morning with a hangover. I had come in that night at about four o'clock in the morning and I was lit when I came in <laughs> and I went to sleep for a couple hours, got up, put on some nice clothes and, and went to the church and, and during praise and worship, they were singing and I was about to fall down because <laughs> I was needing something to eat and the alcohol was kind of dispersing, you know. <laughs> So um, I said, I better sit down before I fall down. So I, I sit down through the rest of praise and worship. But the thing about it is, is that church service that day, something switched on the inside of me. Something turned. On the, and, I, and I realized at that point the authenticness of who God is. And, you know, you, you can be a cowboy and be a Christian. I didn't think you could do that. I thought they were polar opposites, you know, <laughs> all the cowboys I hung around with, and um, except that one man. And um, so that, that's, you know, what began to make my transformation. And um, that next week, a guy at work gave me a book called Apostle Cowboy Style. We have them in the, in the uh, bookstore. But it, I read that in one sitting. That's pretty, that's pretty good for an Okie to be able to thin in his big letters and pop-ups. Um, With the fuzzy, little yeah, fuzzy. Yeah, little fuzzy yes. things, uh -huh. yeah. Um, anyways, I, I read that book, and that night, halfway through that book, I got down on my knees just like a good Baptist boy should, and, and I gave my heart to God that night. Mm. And when I gave my heart to God, it changed everything. I can truly say there was a change that took place on the inside of me. And um, I started attending a church called Church on the Move. And that didn't mean that they, you know, moved around. But they were moving in the things of God. And I, I joined that charismatic church. And I'd never seen this charisma that people had in that. But my, the pastor became my pastor. Even though it was kind of a big church, you know, three or four, five, six thousand people. And today I think there's like twelve or 15,000 yeah. yeah. in that church. But... Um, Pastor Willie George became my pastor, and he talked about serving and connecting with our church and, and things like that, or with ministry. So I did. I, I, I tried to connect in the church. I didn't um, fare out pretty well because 
I knew that God wanted me to serve another ministry. And it was a bull riding ministry. And so I got involved with, with this man named Tony Shoulders. He was uh, Jim Shoulders' nephew, and, and Tony uh, took me under his wing, and we began to do church behind the shoots at rodeos and things. That was, his, that was his thing. So I began to serve Tony. But what drove me to begin to serve Tony was that God spoke to me. He spoke to me. And I said, God, what do you want me to do for Tony? And he said, I want you to serve him in any way that he needs served. He says, if he needs his truck washed, wash it. If it needs to be filled with fuel, fill it. If his chicken bones need to be cleaned, clean them. It was, I mean, God says, whatever he needs, you do. It was not glamorous. It, it was not glamorous. <laughs> um, but that's, that's what began to happen. I began to serve in Tony's ministry and then I began to pull ropes and I began to help with pulling gates. I began to help with, you know, anything that God wanted me to do in that bull riding place, uh, rodeo place. I began to do it. And it was not something that I did because I wanted to be uh, accepted. I did it because God was asking me to serve the man of God. Amen. So, you know, that serving attitude, Pastor Willie always told us that you, you need to be serving somebody, serving a vision somewhere. And what we found out is, you know, that serving of what I did during that time and what she's getting ready to tell you, that serving led us to the place where we are now. Mm. It led us to the place we are now and doing what we do now. That's been almost 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah. So... You, when we, you had a great story well, when, as we, well. when we met one another, the way that we met is we were both serving other ministries and we met at a cowboy minister's conference and he was there with Tony shoulders. And I thought that he was 16. I didn't even think he would be she legal to get into a bar. And I remember asking my girlfriends, how old do you think he is? Because he had such a baby face, and I thought he was really young, but cute. turned out, and he was super cute. So <laughs> anyway, but he was serving a ministry, and I was, uh, uh, some friends of mine, and I had started our own business, um, and I'll, I'll circle back around to that, but that's how we both ended up in the same place, is because we were both serving, and that's where we met is so that's like I tell everybody that is looking and wants to get married is you do what God tells you to do and you will run into the person that God has for you. You do what God wants you to do and you'll your paths will intersect. Um, but my story was a little bit different in that I was not setting out to serve God. I had felt uh, when I had come home from college, I tried. I felt like God was asking me to do something, but I didn't know what, and I didn't even know, I didn't even know what that would look like at all. And so I, I think I shared here a couple of weeks ago that I went to a church uh, that my mom and I were attending, and we went and sat down, and I'm pretty sure it was the pastor of the church had set up an appointment and went in and talked with him, and he basically told me that I was not qualified to do anything. 
at the church. I don't know. So anyway, I left there thinking, oh, well, I guess I was wrong. <laughs> so anyway, I was working at a Western store and a couple of my girlfriends had gotten a job uh, working for a ministry that was a nationwide ministry. It was a cowboy ministry. And the national office just happened to be in Colorado Springs. So uh, the two of them had left the Western store, which left me there without any of my close friends there. So they were working for this uh, ministry and they found me a job there. So I quit my job at the Western store and went to work uh, at the ministry. And I remember when I did, my parents both said, why are you doing that? Because you're not getting paid as much as you would where you're at right now. And you're going to have to drive further. My like made, it did not make any sense in the natural. And I said, I don't know, but that's where my friends are. So that's where I'm going to go. So it wasn't that I was like, I feel the Lord calling me. It was nothing like that. It was like, I just wanted to be with my friends. So I went to work at, uh, this ministry and, um, I really, honestly, I, I don't know if there is such a thing. There really isn't scripturally. There's not such a thing as barely saved. You're either are or you're not. But if there could be, I was barely saved. (laughs) I didn't know, come here from Sikkim about nothing about God. I went to church. We went to church sporadically. I went to Sunday school when I was a little kid. And I remember the felt boards and the tan rooms and whatever, you know, the paper Jesus doing like this. And, um, but that was pretty much, uh, definitely a Christian home, but I really didn't know a whole lot about the Bible. So anyway, I went to work at this national headquarters. Like they didn't ask me how much do you know about God? I know that there is one. So that was pretty much would have been my answer. (laughs) But anyway, as I was there, the people that I was around, uh, and not even the people that were that I worked in the national office with. It was ministers that happened to come through that I got introduced to uh, because they would they were doing uh, the Pikes Peak or Bust rodeo uh, service, and he was the first one that came through that I really got uh, connected with. There was another gentleman. I don't know if anybody in here would know uh, Benny Patrick. Does anybody know Benny Patrick? He was a bullfighter a long time ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Benny Patrick used to come in and sit in my office. He would bring me a Dr. Pepper because I had the rodeo news. So he would come in so he didn't have to pay for the rodeo news. So he would come and sit in my office <laughs> and read the rodeo news and talk to me. And I remember one, one uh, morning he comes in, he goes, so what did you do over the weekend? And I told him that my girlfriend and I went hiking around the lake, around the reservoir. And we thought it was going to be like a four, six mile hike ends up being a 14 mile hike. And I was like, dead gum. That was a long hike. And I remember him looking at me. He puts the paper down and he goes, so we were in the dark, total pitch black, trying to find our car. And he looks at me and he goes, we got to get you a boyfriend. (laughs) He's like, what is wrong with you? So anyway, it was the people that I was around that came in and began to talk to me and, uh, that I started learning from. And, uh, One gentleman in particular uh, that I got introduced to through another person that I had met, uh, I remember him 
telling me, I was, I was helping doing uh, rodeo Bible camps. Actually, they kind of got dumped in my lap. I didn't know anything about doing rodeo Bible camps. I didn't know nothing about, I knew less about that than I knew about God. And they got dumped in my lap and nobody else was there to do them from the national office. So I took it on with my girlfriends. And um, I remember before one of the rodeo Bible camps, the, a gentleman that had started, he was men, kind of mentoring me and he lived in Washington. And so he would call and just ask me how I was doing, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he calls one day and he said, God gave me a, a new name for you. And I said, oh, okay. And I was kind of laughing, being smart alecky with him. And he said, <laughs> he said, God told me that your name is preacher woman. And I was like, <laughs> Okay. Do that here. Go go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. So anyway, I was like, okay, whatever. I don't even know what that means. I was the girl that shipped out bumper stickers, and I kind of thought they were stupid. So I was like, I don't even know. So anyway, um, I he said that to me. It was just before I ever even met Darren, and I wasn't doing anything in that manner at all. But I look back now, and I think how amazing God is because he will do whatever it takes to get you where he wants you to go. And I had no idea. I was not orchestrating that. I was not trying to move things around so that this would happen I just was doing whatever was put in front of me, and it was the same thing as just serving. I, I just started serving other people and doing what I could, whether that was cleaning their barn, shoveling horse poop, taking their truck to clean it because they were going on a trip or whatever it was going to be. I mean, that's just, that's just what we did. So um, I did learn through that. And I'm so thankful for the people that were around me because, um, let me, let me ask this question. How many of you here are called to ministry? Raise your hand. That's, that's a good number. Okay. Let me, let me say this. How many of you in here believe in God and have chosen to follow Jesus, raise your hands. Okay, keep your hands up. Don't put your hands down yet. Okay, everybody with their hand raised, you are called to ministry. Every person See in here. See how she just worked you right, right? into that? You're like. <laughs> if you have said yes to Jesus, you are called to ministry. And even, even like this, people put it, well, I'm in full-time ministry. Okay, well, you don't get to be a butthead part-time and be in ministry part-time either. You're in full-time ministry. If you have said yes to God, you are called, because what is the ecclesia? It's the called out ones. So you are called out and you are called to ministry. 
ministry very simply when Paul said, like when you read in Paul's writings and he says, I am, am I jumping ahead? Okay. When he says that um, I'm a a minister, that I, Paul, a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that word minister, how do you say it, babe? Diakonos. That. That word in the Greek. (laughs) That's a Greek word. (laughs) That's my oaky Greek. Oh, okay. I like it. (laughs) Diakonos. That word in the Greek, the word minister, what we read minister in our New King James or in our Bibles, that word translated from the Greek very simply means a servant. And in our, Darren brought up that in our culture today, that word servant can have, can carry with it a really negative connotation, but actually. It can carry like a slave. Like bondage. Yeah, bondage, slavery mentality. Yeah. And in this, in this culture that we're living in, that is pretty, you know, off-putting to, yes. to, to many people. Yeah, yeah. But the, the truth of the matter is it's, it's to serve. The way that God sets that up, serving in the kingdom of God context, not the way that culture tries to put people into boxes and restriction with that, the way that God sets it up is that when we serve, it's a thing of honor. It's a thing of advancement. And it is a place of putting yourself in position to move forward. It's um, when, you, when you put yourself in the position of serving God as your mind. And, and it's simply things, like I said, I mean, I wasn't sitting out to say, oh, I want to serve God. I want to, I think I'm called to do this. I didn't even know what being called. I didn't have any clue what that was. But as you do that, you find that God begins to order your steps. He says that he orders the steps of the righteous, not the leaps and bounds. It's just, it's steps. It's taking one step at a time. And as you do that, as a minister, if you raise your hands, then you are a minister. You are a servant. Yeah, there's a there's a thing that gets put on the inside of you. It's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's not just for pulpit ministers to minister the gospel alone. I, you know, one of the problems that I've seen in church world is that so many times the, um, the church is ministering the gospel to, to, to born-again people. When the gospel was not meant for just born-again people, the, the gospel was meant to be outside the church walls. That's where the gospel happens. It's to, it's to, to impact people's life on the outside. The good news but, of Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's the gospel. The, 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 the bad thing about it is, is that church is preaching the gospel in the church and preaching doctrine in the world. So we go out there and say, well, if you're a drinker, you're a cusser, you're a fighter, you know, you've got to clean up before you come in and learn the gospel in here. That's backwards. Mm-hmm. The way we say it sometimes, it's bass-ackwards. <laughs> and because the, the gospel's out there, you preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ out there, and you come here to learn doctrine, yeah. to, to, to be taught what the Word of God says. Yeah. So that's like when you think about, I know that our students are sitting in here today and I am a huge proponent of 
Nobody, you don't know what you want to do for the rest of your life. I would say that you are in the vast, vast, vast minority. If you know what you want to do for the rest of your life, when school starts talking to you, when you're 15 years old about needing to know what college you want to go to and applying for um, scholarships and that you have to do this, 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 and this, and putting all of this on you, you don't have a clue. You don't even know what your friends are doing tomorrow. So you don't know what you're doing because you got to know what your friends are doing so that you know what you're doing, right? So... When you decide, I am going to give my life to God, it's that laid down life, exactly what Jesus did. And it talks about it in John, I think it's, what did we write down? John chapter 12, where the Bible talks about that if a seed dies, that it produces much life. It's exactly, it's what it's telling us about is Jesus because Jesus is talking about it. And so it's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus died on the cross. So one life gives life to many. And it's the same as when we lay down our life, we follow in the footsteps of Jesus. We lay down our life in the sense of saying, God, you know what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do in the future. You know what I'm going to need. Like I remember, I'm just going to, I remember praying for my husband when I was not married and I wanted to be married. I wanted someone. I would pray for this person. God, I knew God knew who it was. I didn't know who it was, but I would pray and I would say, I want this. I want this. I want this. I want this. Right. I gave him, I gave him my list. I had it written down everything that I wanted. You and near God I know, you. right? I'm exactly. You babe, you exceeded the list, but it was that thing of thinking, I think I know everything I need. And I remember with my list because I wrote in my journal and I had my list and I remember the night that I closed my list and I put my hand on it and I said, God, you know what I need more than I do. I think I know what I want, <laughs> but you know what I need and you know what I'm going to need 10 years from now. And you know what I'm going to need 50 years from now. So I slid that list over symbolically to him and I said, God, you bring me what you want for me. Two weeks later, I met him at the minister's conference. It was when I submitted my want and gave God my future that God brought me more than what I ever asked for or could have dreamed of. And it's that thing of one laid down life produces life for many. So when you lay your life down, not only are you giving opportunity for life to be produced for many, but you're also submitting to God's very best for you. Cause you think, you know what you want, but God knows what you want and he'll give it to you even better. Cause if I would have picked it out, it, well, not, I tried picking it out. It was a... So, so the, the, the cool thing about what we're trying to say to you today is, is that, you know, when, when we are serving people, we are stepping into God's territory and God begins to do things. Um, I'm not going to say God begins to do things. He's able to get the things that he knows that you need into your life. Mm -hmm. The places and the positions and the, and the favor that you would have with people is it comes by serving. You serve people, and the door of God's promotion begins to happen. 
Um, you know, um, some people think, well, you and Lynette are, are the pastors of this church, but I don't want to be a pastor. I, I didn't either. I didn't either. But that's, <laughs> that's what serving did is it began to promote us. But here's the thing is you don't serve people to be promoted as a, as a, um, as a um, pathway to be promoted. It's when you serve that God opens your pathway and he begins to place you in those places of favor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether that be a pulpit ministry, whether that be a, um, you know, a marketplace, tr- ministry. Yeah, marketplace ministry, it's just about when you begin serving God and serving people, he begins to have the ability to promote you to the place where you need to be, what his purpose is for your life. Right, right. And so, you know, we, we, don't, we don't serve with, a, um, um, with an attitude that if I serve enough people, God will then promote me to be a minister like, uh, you know, a pastor or an evangelist or anything like that. It's not about that. It's about if you serve, God will place you where you need to go. Right, right. And it's like that question of, you know, well, I don't know where to start. I don't know how to get started. I don't know where to serve. And that's, I think, from our experience and where we've, where we've been is we want to say if that is a step that a person is wanting to take, we want to be sure that we provide an opportunity. And the way we've always felt about it is this is a great place to practice because if you... Like people always say, well, what if I do it wrong? You know what? If your heart is right, you can't do it wrong. That's, that's the way we look at it. And so you don't have to know so much of the Bible. You don't have to, you know, be at a certain place. And the thing is, is people, a lot of times will feel, they feel disqualified or they don't feel like, well, I don't know enough yet, or I don't totally have everything straightened out in my life. I'm really a mess, you know, behind the curtains and stuff. It doesn't matter. That's we're not, well, let me tell you, let me just say it this way. We're not perfect. So we're not looking for perfect. So <laughs> that's the way that we look at it. And I don't, I don't want any, you know, and this is not a, a, a diss on the gentleman that I sat down with when I was, you know, 20 or whatever to find a place. How do I, how do I progress in my relationship with God and told me we don't have any place for you. It's not a diss on him, but I don't ever want anybody that calls this home to have that experience. You have a place at the table. It doesn't matter where you're coming from and what your knowledge is. We don't really care about your knowledge. We're just interested in your heart. And we want to be here to provide an opportunity for you to grow in whatever direction and area that might be. It's like, I I don't know. I, I am the mom, right? I'm the mom. I'm so a mom. Like you can't take that out. Moms, you know what I'm talking about is with my kids, I never wanted to tell them what to do. I just prayed that they would find what it was that God had created them for and that they would find, this is still my prayer for them, is that they would find what it is that God created them for and that their deepest and most joyous fulfillment would come from walking in that. And that's my prayer when I pray for my church, that I pray that every person would find what it is that God gifted them for and put on the inside of them and their deepest joy and fulfillment would be found in walking in that. You know, something I learned from uh, coming into her family in my, with my in-laws 
especially your mom. Um, you know, when we get together for a holiday meal or something like that, they'd be in the kitchen working and preparing and things like that. You know, the way I grew up, if I went in and mom's probably watching, mom, please, uh, the phone call later maybe. Um, anyways, um, when I was a kid growing up, if I went into the kitchen while mom was preparing and I would say, do you need any help? She'd say, no, get out of my kitchen. I got it. Get out. But when I came into their family, I would go in the kitchen just being nice. I really didn't want to do anything because I was, I was enjoying watching the Dallas Cowboys play yes. football on TV. But I'd you know, be nice. I'd come in and say, Can, is there anything I could do? Yeah, why don't you do this? I'm like, dang it. Um, but that's the thing. They, they made room for a place where there's just setting out forks and knives and things like that. They put me to doing something when I asked. And that's the way that we want church to be. We, you know, we want to be a place where we don't say no, get out of my kitchen. <laughs> that we say, yes, we've got a place for you. Always. Always has a place Always. for you. Yeah. Because when you begin to serve, you step into God's territory. And you become a contributor. She talked about it last week with family. And, you know, um, it's, it's better to be a, a contributor than just a consumer. Because when you begin to consume, you don't produce anything. Right. And when you begin to serve people, it's like a seed being planted that grows up and produces fruit. Much life. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, you know, become a, become a contributor and a producer instead of just a consumer. Right. So, and you, you, in the midst of that, you get to consume. Yes, yes. I but receive the benefit of this every, every time we yeah. get together. Yeah. 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 So. so when you say, like, when do I do that? It's the same question of um, when we're ready to have kids, we will. If you're in that spot right now, I'm just going to let you in on a little secret. Uh, you're never ready, right? <laughs> parents am I, am I telling the truth there like whoa what <laughs> anyway you're never ready and it's that thing you just got to jump in and do it and so there's not anybody sitting in here that is disqualified and there's not anybody sitting in here who if you honestly I probably would kind of shy away from you a little bit if you came and said I know everything I'm ready to serve in your church okay yeah. thanks for that yeah and that's, uh, you know, her and I never, we didn't go to school to do this. We didn't go, you know, I've had so many people so many times have said, well, where did you go to school in order to become qualified to be a pastor? I just tell them at the Apostle Paul School of Hard Knocks. <laughs> um, we didn't go to school. We did what we did to learn what we know by serving other people, serving ministries. When we would serve God would show us what needs to be done. And, and we're not always right. It's, you know, we made a lot of mistakes. But the fact of the matter is, it's the Apostle Paul School of Hard Knocks. I mean, mm -hmm. you, you learn from hard knocks sometimes. I hope. Um, but anyways, I mean, that's, we didn't go to school. I'm not dissing on school. I'm not dissing on, dissing on cemetery. Oh, seminary. Um, <laughs> I, I, think that, <laughs> I think that if God calls you to go to school, go to school, you know. But um, don't think that that's what promotes that you. That doesn't qualify you. That doesn't qualify you. I've seen people that's gone to school for years, got their master's degree, and they're dumb as a stone in the, in the things of God because they just have this book thing and not a, an experience, right. an encounter, um, um, a place where God is promoting them. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's coming in and experiencing the family of Ecclesia. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, one of the things is, is when we get born again, Romans chapter 11 talks about how that we are in a wild olive tree and the, the things Jesus is a cultivated olive tree. Mm-hmm. And that if, if the branches get broken off or whatever, you can take that wild olive tree, which is you and I, and be engrafted into. That's when you get, become a Christian, become engrafted into the cultivated olive tree, which is who Jesus is. And that life force begins to go not only through the cultivated olive tree, it begins to go up into the limb uh, or the branch of who you are. Mm-hmm. And you begin to receive the life force that comes from Jesus the same way. Right. And when we become Christians in church, we begin to receive exactly who the tree is, and that's Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And that's this whole thing that we've been talking about, the ecclesia. That is what sets us apart, is where we are getting life from. And when you say yes to Jesus, you say yes to that life flow that comes through God flowing to us when we become grafted in. And that's the thing is that grafting is a permanent thing. It's intended to be a permanent thing. It's not coming and going and coming and going. It's being grafted in so that the life that is flowing through the vine flows into the branches. And I love John 15 in the Passion Translation in verse 1. It says this, that I'm the sprouting vine and you're my branches. As you live in union with me as your source fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you're powerless. So Rhett, if you want to, if you would go ahead and come up because we're going to, so when you think about this, we've been talking about the idea of family of Ecclesia. We've been talking about the difference in being called out and being set apart. But when we are truly receiving the life source that is flowing to us from God, when we begin to live from that place, we look different. We act different. Our lives are different. The way we walk through things is different. And so I want to ask today if we could, all of us together as the Ecclesia family, to just ask yourself right now, where am I living from? Where am I making decisions from? Where am I uh, trying to cultivate a marriage from? Where am I loving from? Where am I raising my kids from? And if, as you ask yourself these questions, begin to see, okay, there is a place in life where I can do things out of my own resources, out of my own will, out of my own time, trying to make my schedule, trying to do what everything that's on my list so that I can check it off and get these things checked off. And my gosh, I am going to have a good marriage and I am going to love my spouse and I don't care what they, God says I'm going to love. So my gosh, I'm going to love. And if you make me mad today, I am loving today, you know, and there's, there's this thing of just that sheer determination of trying to do it and doing what you think you're supposed to do because you think you're supposed to do it and just trying to just 
gritted out and hating every moment of it. You're shaking. You totally, you and I have been in the same room, right? We've been trying to do that. And it's that thing of trying to do it because you know what's right. But then when you slip up and you don't do it, it's because you're still living out of your own, your own power, your own, uh, just the best thing I could, is just, it's like that bulldog determination and those people that are super strong willed, you could do that for a really long time, but you wear yourself out. You get to the place where you feel like, I don't feel like I have anything left. I feel like I'm tapped. I feel like I've just failed this so many times or I faced so many disappointments that I'm done trying because I'm worn out. I'm done. And it's when you make the shift to realize that as the called out ones of God, his ecclesia, that we don't have to live life out of our own resource, out of our own strength, out of our own education, out of our own knowledge, our own, what we have in our pocket. Any, it doesn't, it's not that anymore. It's simply living out of the power of the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of you. That beautiful spirit of God that's given on the inside of us when we said yes that laid down life and you wear yourself out trying to be good trying to be in the right place at the right time trying to make the right connections trying to work to get ahead trying to have enough trying to find the right relationships and it's when the called out ones realize I've been grafted in and without him, I can do nothing, but through him, there's nothing that's impossible for me. God has a future and God has a hope for me. And when I live out of his spirit, it's not me doing it anymore. And I don't face burnout. I don't face just wanting to shut the world off and not even get out of bed. It's because God is on the inside of me. So I want to ask you as you are just thinking, if you've been trying to do your marriage, trying to be in relationship with anyone, just like I will be nice today and I won't call them a cuss word today and I won't even flip them off behind their back. choose to live from the life source that you've given me to live from. From your Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God on the inside of you. The same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is on the inside of you. For you to live from. That's what sets us apart. So I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. Go ahead. Uh, Before you close your eyes. Yeah. See, when you're engrafted into that life force of who Jesus is, into that tree, you begin to produce fruit. And that fruit that is produced is not your fruit for yourself. A tree doesn't consume its own fruit. The tree gives others its fruit to serve them, to fill them, to give give them purpose. And that's what happens when we serve. 
That's what happens when we become the body of Christ. When we say yes to Jesus, we're engrafted, we receive his life force that begins to bear fruit, not for us, but for others. It's that shift to loving God, loving people, serving people, and serving God. And it's doing it through him. So I was asking you to close your eyes, but you know what? I feel like we need to know. I feel like if that's you, then let's stand. If that's you and you're saying, you know, I want to I wanna experience life from the source of Holy Spirit. I don't want to live and try and do things out of my own resources anymore. I want to do this out of the power and the resources of Holy Spirit, all of heaven flowing through me. Like, I don't, I'm not, you know, I know when I heard God, because it's totally smart. Like I was just in a meeting with somebody the other day and I'm like, I don't even know what that word means. What does that word mean? (laughs) It's from God. (laughs) So anyway, right now, I want to invite you because sometimes it's just the smallest little act that releases a huge thing in your life. And so I want to invite you, we're going to, make a switch in our heart. And I don't, I just saw this is that we need to turn the key on our heart. So as silly as it might sound, if it makes you feel better, everybody can close their eyes now. So nobody's watching you do this. I want to ask you if you would like to, to put your hand on your heart right here, like you're getting a hold of a key. And I invite you to turn the key on your heart. And we're going to open up our hearts right now to the Holy Spirit. Now the heart is wide open. Holy Spirit, come and fill our hearts with your power, with your resources, with your wisdom, with your guidance, with your direction, with your love. And so now your heart is open. So I just invite you, if you want you to hold your hands with your palms up, like God's just going to pour out on you. So your hands are open. When you opened up your heart, if you've never opened up your heart before to God and said, Jesus, come and live on the inside of me, and I open my heart up to you, your heart is open right now. So it would be a super good time for you to make that choice and that move in your life if you've never done that. Very first of all, just saying, God, come and live on the inside of me, and I invite you to lead my life, and I give my life to you. I lay my life down for you. In church world, that's what we call being born again. That's what Jesus called it. And it's shifting from your old life to the life that God has for you to live. It's the reason that you're here. It's the reason you have breath in your lungs is the life that God created you for. So when you open up your heart to that, you begin to walk in that and you find the reason that you're here. And it's not just to go through life, but it's to be awesome. It's to be power. It's to be light for other people. It's to experience the wonder of God every day. So, Father, I ask right now in Jesus' name that the marriages that you've been trying to hold together on your own, Father, come and fill our marriages with your Holy Spirit. The parents raising children, come and come and show us how to parent our children 
by Holy Spirit. The jobs and the workplaces that we're in, not just trying to make it through, but Holy Spirit, lead us in our jobs. Holy Spirit, fill us with what we need. The finances and the provision that you need for day-to-day living. Holy Spirit, fill us to show us where you that provision is for us and that you are our provider. That we work because you give us the gifts and the knowledge of what to do, but you are our provider. So we switch to that Holy Spirit place on the inside of us right now. And whatever that is for you, if it's taking just a little step sideways and making that switch, if it's taking a little step forward, I invite you right now just to make that shift, whatever that looks like for you, whatever you need to do to make that, that it's not about what you have and what you don't have. It's not about being qualified or not qualified. It's about the spirit of God on the inside of you that's more than enough exceedingly abundantly above all you can ever think or ask. Holy Spirit, fill them up. Fill them overflowing. First of all, with your love, how much you love them and how special and precious they are to you that you know their name and that you don't ever push them away but that you call them so close and you hug them and you just love all over them. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Be the ecclesia means that we love. It means that we serve. It means that we become a part of the family's life. The life force that flows through this family here at Northern Colorado Cowboy Church is Jesus' life. So let that begin to be poured out. I, I don't say that you need to serve here. If you are to serve here, We've got a place for you, but serve somewhere, serve somewhere, not as a slave, not as to get promoted, but to love God's people, to love God. Amen. Amen. So if you do want to get involved here, there's these cards all over the church and there's places on the back. You just, if you don't know where you want to serve, just say, hey, I don't know. I just want to love people. It's, it's like me walking into my mother's law, mother-in-law's kitchen. <laughs> and do you have something I can do? Absolutely. Fill one of those out. We got a place for you. Amen. I do. I want to speak specifically to that person who feels like I'm not qualified. I'm specifically, I'm too old or I'm too young. That's not true. That's not true. You have a place here. And we love you. And we just want to help you find the gifts that are on the inside of you. Because, ooh, I look out here and I see so many giftings. (laughs) I love the way that you get to see people when you start looking at what God puts on the inside of them. And you just get to see beautiful things on the inside of people. You guys really are a true natural resource of the kingdom of heaven. It's in you. Let it come out.